Oh, that's what that's from. Doop 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 doop. Now fetch the holy water and holy soap as well. Cause holy guacamole, that guy reeks to holy hell. And we're the monks. Hey, hey, we're the monks. You never know if Skype's going to just be weird when you're dealing with USB mics or anything like that. Yeah, and with the crazy audio routing I'm doing on this end, I'm surprised that it works at all. It's true. I'm basically picturing, like, you just have a bunch of, like, like wires and, and AV cords just strewn about while you're plugging things in and whatnot. It's actually, uh, it's, it's completely virtual, all the audio recording going on here. So I just have my MacBook and the only wires plugged into it are the power supply and my headphones. And I'm using an app called Soundflower to do all the audio routing so that I can record my own input and your output and everything. Um, see, it's way more fun to think you're at like a, you know, like 1920s, like telephone operator, like desk, <laughs> unplugging things, plugging things back in. Hold on. Yes. Look at Hatching here, you through. <laughs> yelling exactly. into a megaphone. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, so how's it going, Zach? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I fixed Taco Bell today. You fixed was, Taco Bell? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, because, well, I mean, you know, I, 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 I don't know how much credit I can accurately claim, but I'm going to claim a lot of credit. Um, well, all of it. It's clearly all of your idea and implementation. So I'm curious to totally. see what that is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, Taco Bell, wonderful, you know, little... Uh, Mexican-ish fast food. Mexican-American fast food, I guess. I, I don't think you have um, to explain what Taco Bell is. Most people know. That's fair. Uh, um, so, turns out that they that two, two things have happened significantly in Taco Bell's history. One, they put a location near me, which, which is new in my entire life. There's been no nearby Taco Bell. Okay. That has now changed. Secondly, they released an, uh, uh, like an iOS ordering app. These two things are very significant because what I've discovered is it's way, way cooler to eat food from Taco Bell when I have as little human contact with the people who work at Taco Bell. Okay. Not not to say that there's anything wrong with, you know, the people who work at Taco Bell. It's, it's fine and all. But frankly, I'm sure they don't really want to be there. And, you know, neither do I. Just, you know, trying to, to cut down the, uh, the, the person-to-person contact uh, to a minimum, that's sort of ideal. Um, no, but uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, the, their iOS ordering app, which which I tried out today, is, is actually really, really cool. Um, you, you, you know, you've got access to the full menu once you connect up uh, whatever location is closest to you you say that's the one that i'm going to be ordering from and so they give you accurate prices based on that location and an accurate menu based on that location and then you just tap away with whatever you want to order you actually handle all the payment through the app as well and so the process to actually get your food you get into the drive-thru and then you say hi i'm here to pick up my order for zach and they're like okay pull through and then they give you a bag of food and then that's it it's it's fantastic I'm, I'm still disappointed. I was expecting you to say that an army of drones delivers your burrito to you. Um, I, I, that's re- got to be the next step. Yeah, what's really missing here is I still have to put on pants and get in my car and go to Taco Bell. Um, well, if you're in your car, I would argue the pants are probably optional, but you, you do still need to get in your car and go to Taco Bell. So I'll give you that. Yeah, because how often am I actually in my car? already when I decide I want Taco Bell. Uh, most of the time True. when I want Taco Bell, I'm sitting on my couch at two in the morning mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's a terrible idea already. So cause you've ran out of Doritos. You now need Taco Bell. Exactly. This happens yeah. so frequently, like at least once every other year. Um, mm-hmm. and I decide that I need a 47 <laughs> layer burrito. Um, mm-hmm. it's As still, it's still a big bear to entry to have to put on like pantaloons at this point. <laughs> well, and and where you're located, the nearest Taco Bell is either Long Island or New Jersey. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Maybe not... there's one at like Penn Station. I, I, I can't imagine there's Taco Bell strewn about New York City. I don't know. I wouldn't... I've never... I have no data <laughs> You've on also this. never looked for one either, have you? <laughs> not once. Not even once. <laughs> no, I think that is kind of interesting. I feel like there's a general lack of chain restaurants in New York City. Isn't it wonderful? Um, 
Yeah, no, it is. It's. I, I feel like if that ever changed, it would stop being New York City. There, there's um, still a whole lot of change, though. We just have different chains than you're looking for. There's a whole lot of Kennedy's. Fr- there's a whole lot of Kennedy's fried chicken. We have a fair number of Chipotle's. <laughs> Um, Kennedy's Fried Chicken also serves pizza, which is Manhattan is quite infested by Starbucks and Chipotle's. That is true. Yes. I'm I'm waiting for the day when Starbucks and Chipotle buy each other, where one of them (laughs) obtains the other. Because they're they're serving the exact same demographic. It's just... Absolutely. I go to Starbucks for breakfast and Chipotle for lunch, and that's my day out while working remotely. (laughs) Yes, or if you're a college student, you reverse that, and it's all good. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> everyone wants chips and guac for breakfast and Starbucks to stay up all night so that you can get to the chips and guac for breakfast. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I that tracks. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think the, uh, the whole app ordering thing is very interesting, though, especially for some of these bigger chains. Because I realized I would love this if that was just the way so many more of these things worked. Like, oh, if I want to drink from Starbucks, I already placed the order. I just walk in and get it. If I want a burrito from Chipotle, I place the order, pay for it. I just walk in and get it. Um, it's it's fantastic. I really like the user experience. Yeah, it, it has its plus sides because there's definite days when I don't want to talk to people when ordering things. But it also... Mm-hmm kind of plays to the whole dystopian future of the corporateness controls everything and I can no longer get free stuff at restaurants by charming people, which I don't really like. True. True. And that's why I don't know if I would like this as much if, you know, your random, you know, mom and pop types restaurant incorporated it. I, I want this from those bigger chains, places like Taco Bell, like, you know, fast food restaurants. Um, I, I would put Starbucks in with that. Um, Chipotle is kind of, you know, they're, they're on the, the edge of it. I would, I would say, but the bigger chains that that's almost what you're getting as it is, you know, like there's the, uh, there's a burrito place I know in, in Brooklyn that I remember in, you know, going to frequently Calexico, which I probably brutalized that pronunciation. Um, no, you said it like an American. It's all of the, I did sit like an American and it's a Brooklyn hipster burrito place. So I feel like they too would pronounce it like an American. Correct. That's the correct way to say it. It's just all of the poser Mexicans that say Calexico. That's not the way you pronounce the name that's the way a mexican would not yeah the no name. no there, there was a white guy with gauges and like a serious lumberjack beard who who you know took my order and delivered me my burrito it was delicious but it was certainly not you know yes. mexican it's hipster mexican food so yeah so i don't want them necessarily to have this uh app ordering assembly line style food delivery system. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely, the, uh, you want a place for character, but I don't know. I think it was a very, I, I enjoyed the experience. I'm curious to see if any other franchises adopt it. Yeah. I, it seems like more and more are going to that model. You, I think you can already do the same thing at Starbucks and uh, definitely Domino's has the same thing now. Um, maybe not an app, but they have a web interface. Yeah, I have seen that the Domino's does as well. And that that's where you're getting closer to the you don't even need to get in your car because pizza will be delivered to you. So yeah. that's kind of kind of cool. And of course, if you're someplace like New York, you can just spend a billion dollars on Seamless and get anything you want delivered to you. <laughs> yeah. Did you read that article a few months ago on just how much money people spend on Seamless? No, I didn't, but I can imagine it's far more than anyone thinks. It's so you know what the service is, right? It, Mm-hmm. It's, sure. Yeah, it's just food delivery from places that don't deliver. So it's like a a third party delivery service, which is mm-hmm. great and free enterprise and everything. Um, but it costs a fortune. It's like five or ten dollars to get a meal delivered. <laughs> so this article is just yeah. like investigating how much money people are actually spending on Seamless, and most of the people didn't even realize themselves, but they're spending like fifteen grand a year. <laughs> like, wow. That's more than I spent on food in a year. It's ridiculous. God, yes. I've had years where that's all I made in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That. Yeah, no, that, and it's funny because that, that sort of thing, I'd also heard that there was a startup, I don't know if they're still around because they're a startup, but uh, they were doing a similar kind of thing with reservations at restaurants where they were kind of, they were being an intermediary and they were buying up and reserving all the tables at the hottest restaurants in the city. And then you would contact them and they would sell you that reservation at a markup. That's got to be illegal somehow. 
And yet somehow I don't think it was. That was I, – I probably read about them I mean, almost a year ago, if not longer. And that was kind of what the article was implying that, hey, why isn't this illegal? <laughs> because it really should be. Because that's like – I'm not an economist. So I'm going to butcher this. But that's almost like um, – a monopoly in, in a market or, I don't know, like crony capitalism yeah. or something. You've got some weird stuff going on there. And it hurts the the restaurants that, that are going on here because unless that person, you know, unless they resell the reservation, no one's going to show up and the restaurant thinks that table's booked. Mm-hmm. So it completely screws up the restaurant as far as what they're ordering, what they're expecting to make, what they're expecting to serve all in, in a night. They If they think that they've got a full house and they only end up, you know, having a quarter or a third of the tables that were reserved actually show up. It's, it's a mess. Yeah. If I was a restaurant owner, I'd really hate that. Oh yeah. But it's also one of the, it's a difficult thing to police from the restaurants side of things. Yeah. Because they don't really know, like, is this an actual person or is this a business just buying it to resell? Mm -hmm. How would you even go about regulating something like that? Um, Yeah, exactly. Because there's no standardized, you know, system to make a restaurant reservation. Well, well there I mean, is. It's called the phone number. You just call in and you're like, hi, I'd like to reserve, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. And What's I don't a name? Mean, I don't mean That's so much it. enforcing regulation on it. I just mean how would you actually, like, draft any sort of regulation on on something like that? Uh, would, would you say that making a reservation at a restaurant that you don't intend on using yourself, that you intend on reselling, is wrong or how would you go about doing that yeah it's it's a very tricky problem and i think that's why that startup is still around if they're still around i think that was the the giant loophole that they were sliding through yeah it, it would be interesting if um so hotels have this whole concept of dark rooms which is like rooms that the very last minute they know aren't going to be booked for the night so they're willing to sell them really cheap so mm-hmm. if you just like show up at a, a hotel, you can generally get a pretty good deal because they're just—it costs them like twenty bucks to turn a room over for the night if it's if it's not dark. So you can uh, you can purchase dark rooms from them pretty cheaply. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's a similar thing you could do at a restaurant. Like it's a little bit different because they're going to be paying food and, and service prices, but approaching a restaurant and saying like, "I know you're going to have these three tables uh, empty at this time period. Can you give mm-hmm. us a?" discount on them if we fill it i bet bet there's a startup in there somewhere yeah it's possible i think in years past that was basically the way oh i've got connections uh and it's the way that someone would get a really good table at a really good restaurant last minute uh they get a they get a phone call from the maitre d saying hey if you show up in the next 20 minutes i've got a table for you that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um i think it's something that's always been there but was something that was done behind the scenes so you're right there probably is something there to work on or to to play with but yeah, it's just Who knows the, if anyone will. It's the whole concept of walk-ins that kind of screw it up because, right? Like at a, a hotel, that happens less. Most people have has reserv- most people have reservations, so that they're not counting on walk-ins at the last minute very much. But restaurants, I think, count mm-hmm. on that quite a lot. Yeah, I think you have to be then dealing with a certain class of restaurant, one that is has the majority of their businesses reservations, which it exists, but you're you're working on a whole different scale and it's a much smaller market. Yeah, you're not going to be selling dark tables at a Chipotle because they just don't even have that concept. <laughs> I'm picturing like some homeless guy setting up shop in the corner of the Chipotle. All right, if you give me five bucks, I'll give you this table. <laughs> We call him the troll. He lives under our table. And, uh, he, he has a Welsh accent and tweed jacket. <laughs> no, he's not a Welsh troll. There are Welsh trolls in my brain. This is a different kind of troll. He's a Brooklyn gotcha. troll. He speaks with a Brooklyn accent. And he, uh, he set up a tent underneath the tables at a local Chipotle. He fends them off with a spear. And, um, yeah, if, if you don't pay the troll troll, he will not let you eat your table. Or eat at your Throws table. hot sauce at you. Yep, you have to walk down to the promenade to eat your meal. <laughs> hot sauce is a formidable weapon if you think about it sure it's uh it's liquid pepper spray i mean come on capsaicin that's some, some dangerous stuff i've heard of people call pepper spray aerosol hot sauce i've never heard of anyone call hot sauce liquid pepper spray <laughs> well hey that's because they're not dealing with the right hot sauce 
Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I finally saw Age of Ultron. Okay. When it came to VHS tape, I finally saw it. No, uh, I'm <laughs> not that behind the curve. I, I don't know. It's still in theaters. You bootlegged it and whatever country you were in <laughs> yes exactly i bought a vhs on the streets in managua do you even have a vhs uh, player do those still function i i don't know i think i saw one the other day i don't remember where but i remember commenting hey look a vhs player yeah it's it's, it's probably over at someone's house it's kind of fascinating to me that vhs's have not existed in any meaningful form for so long neither of cassettes but i still refer to recording something on TiVo mm-hmm. as like taping it. Absolutely. Same thing for me. I always say, Hey, did, did we tape that show yeah. today? Cause it was, I think it was the, the time at which we grew up. That was the term. And so it's, it's ingrained in me now. Apparently I, when I'm going to, I'm inevitably going to be one of those old men who, whenever I have kids is going to use so many words that my kids don't understand. Like, <laughs> I use so many words that people my own age don't understand. It doesn't, it's not fair. Zach. <laughs> it's true. We uh, uh, driving driving home today. Uh, one of Outkast's songs came on the radio, and we both, my wife and I, both realized sadly that there is a whole generation of people who have no idea what "shake it like a Polaroid picture" means. And that's and that's just sad. It's just sad. Yeah. Wow. Did you actually ever have a Polaroid camera? Yes, my grandmother gave me one. Believe it or not. Yeah, I uh, I did. Uh, I I probably used it like I don't know for six months max. Um, I, if I remember correctly, the refills were really expensive. Oh, they were so expensive! I could never. I had one, but I could never afford to buy the cartridge for it. Yeah, so I remember I used up probably like the the dozen or so pictures that were in it when she gave it to me. I bought maybe one more refill cartridge, and that was that was kind of the end of that. Yeah, I moved on to other other cameras, but no, I did I did have a Polaroid camera for a short period of time. Yeah, and I had a yeah I had a Polaroid camera, and then I had just like a standard thirty five millimeter uh, film camera for a while, and then I got my first digital camera. It was this mm-hmm. enormous like Sony. Like it kind of looked like a super zoom, but it was just a er- really early digital camera, and it <laughs> recorded directly onto three and a half inch floppy. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you, so your media format went from Polaroid to three and a half inch floppy, right? But stayed effectively the same size. Same size, a little bit thicker. <laughs> um, so I had one point four four megabytes of storage. I could take, uh, I, I don't know, like a couple dozen pictures on it because the camera shot in. 1024 or uh, 1024 by 768 resolution. So it was like okay. 0.7 megapixel or, or whatever that works yeah. out to. <laughs> wow. Was the early- I don't even think I save like graphics for the web that are that small anymore. No, because I mean, that doesn't even look good <laughs> on like an iPhone 2. Yeah, no, it's it's awful. <laughs> Somebody had said that the other day that they uh, they tried to save. Uh, they were creating graphics for a, a web app, and they had the the save icon was a floppy disk. They tried to see how small they could get that that icon down, and it, they couldn't get it small enough to actually save it on a floppy disk. <laughs> the icon of the floppy disk was too big, and then the universe implodes. <laughs> What, what fi- like, well, I guess we go back to using these floppies to level out desks and chairs. How is that possible? You can save a file as less than a megabyte. I, I, my guess is maybe they were working on something at 2x uh, retina resolution or something. Um, but yeah, I still, a, thought that was, what, a 512 I, I feel pixels. like it's a, a problem a problem that could be solved. Yeah, a 512 pixel icon PNG, that's what they use. It's going to be a few hundred K probably, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Fascinating. So you saw Age of Ultron. I did. I saw Age of Ultron. Um, Went with a buddy of mine. uh, Saw it. He had had seen it before and was kind enough to not, you know, leave any, give me any spoilers or or anything like that. But, Um, But he was willing to see it with you again, which in itself is a kind of spoiler. In a way, yeah. And to be honest, I mean, I... I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, but everyone that I had talked to who had seen it before me all said, oh, it was great. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Oh, it was super good. Um, and I don't know if that, that necessarily 
overhyped it for me. Um, I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was as good as the first Avengers movie was. But it wasn't, you know, this groundbreaking, epic, uh, amazing, I'm going to want to watch this a million times superhero movie. It was never going to be that. It's it's an action movie. And True. I don't think either you or I are super fans of action movies like that. Right. That's true. And and I, I ask myself this sometimes while watching, you know, all the superhero themed TV shows and movies that I watched recently that I, I'm not that interested in the action scenes when it's okay. And now these two characters fight. I'm like, eh, all right. Yeah. I Check would, my phone. What's going on? And, I would, I would you know, that, with, that I'm not interested in. I would much rather those be minimized than all of the character development and everything be maximized. But that's never what Avengers is going to be. True. And and I think Avengers especially, um, it's it's the epic combination of all of these characters who have their own movie franchises and yet still are going to be together in this one movie. Yeah. And they, they come, that's, they that's come together to fight the big battles. And then if there's going to be character development, it's going to be at the very beginning or in their own movies. Yeah. Um, overall it was, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I thought it was worth the, the money that I spent on the ticket. The special effects were good. There was, you know, witty dialogue cause that's Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably my favorite thing is that Hawkeye got to become a real character over the course of the movie. Whereas in the previous movie, he, I mean, he, he did nothing. He shot arrows while being mind controlled by Loki and then, shot arrows while talking to everybody else for the the end of the movie. <laughs> he, he really, poor guy, had nothing to do. So I, I like that he became a more interesting character. I'm curious, have you seen X-Men Days of Future Past? I have, you yes. Have. Okay. I just recently watched that for the first time this past week, I think. So okay. th- these two movies have interesting overlap because uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are in both of them. It's true. So yeah. I'm curious, which... Which implementation of Quicksilver did you like better? Um, I I gotta say, I think I liked Days of Future Past Quicksilver as a character much more than I did the uh, Age of Ultron Quicksilver. So, so I think, much more. Yeah, he he's he's hilarious in in Days of Future Past, and his uh, he he has a real great moment to shine in the the scene where everybody slows down. Oh, exactly. And he just wanders around the room, and it's fantastic. He doesn't say a line of dialogue, but it's it's great. I think that was like one of maybe my top three favorite scenes in that whole movie. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't paying super close attention to it, but that one scene stood out to me as just being like a masterpiece of he's just wandering around this room, like re or reorganizing people's fists and moving bullets yeah. slightly. And just having there, fun. Yeah. I think there's like an <laughs> opera piece playing in the background or something. Yep. <laughs> Cause he has headphones. Oh, in. Yeah. And so that just made me like instantly love that character throughout the rest of the movie, no matter what else he did. Whereas mm-hmm. in Avengers, like he has some good parts. He made a hero of himself at the end, but I didn't love him. Like there was nothing that stood out to me as really making me like this character. Yeah, he was just okay. Um, at the same time, you know, he was he was kind of an antagonist to Hawkeye uh, throughout the movie. Even once they team up with the Avengers, him and Hawkeye are still aren't really getting along. And um, I, I have a soft spot for Hawkeye, so you know anybody who's you know giving him a hard time, I, I don't like. And I got really, I was really upset by the end of Avengers because I thought for sure crap they're building up they're gonna kill hawkeye because he did nothing in the first movie now all of a sudden he's this great character we find out he's got this secret family oh he's such a great guy he's gonna go back and save the kid oh man they're gonna kill him no you know i was i was just bracing for that and that isn't what ends up happening um yeah but they they couldn't kill hawkeye but quicksilver is such an easy target because but he yeah they can't i mean (laughs) marvel can't really use him they they right. completely messed up his backstory and everything just to be able to get him into this one movie. And he's not mm-hmm. going to be able to fly in the others. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they just killed him off because it was easier, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, we can talk about that for a second. What did you think of the backstory that they gave to the twins here? Making them inhumans? Basically, uh, because that seems to be shorthand, uh, at least we're seeing in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and now in Avengers as well. 
Inhumans is going to be the basically the way that Marvel is going to get away with telling all of their mutant and X-Men storylines without using the words mutant or X-Men at any point in time. But it, it's not really the same thing, though, because in, in the comic books, mutants and Inhumans exist in parallel. They're two separate things. Correct. So, but I think the Inhumans have always been underserved in the comic book storylines. The mutants have all of the good stories, and Marvel wants to tell those, but they sold their rights to, I don't remember, Fox, Sony, someone. They sold them to someone else. I think it's Fox. <laughs> and, they, and they can't, yeah, so they can't do anything with mutants or the X-Men anymore, which I think is kind of sad because I like all of that, that world, the way that, that it is. Yeah, it it would be so much of a, like a more cohesive universe if if it was just one big happy universe and mutants were in with the Avengers. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't Wolverine basically be an Avengers too at that point? Yeah, yeah. For a point in time, he was with the Avengers. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch is going. You know, was introduced in this movie. She's uh, you know key part of the Avengers team. She's a mutant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there's there there were multiple crossovers, and there were even. Uh, different storylines where they clashed, where the the Avengers and the mutants were serving opposite goals and ended up, of course, fighting each other because Marvel loves to make its heroes fight each other because they don't do that enough with the bad guys. I don't know. I don't don't really get that either, but... Yeah, the whole whole Iron Man versus the Hulk scene, which it was really visually interesting, but it just felt pointless to actually be in this movie. Well, when I saw the trailer for that, I thought, oh, wow, Ultron's going to take over the Iron Man armor and poor Tony Stark's going to be stuck inside and he's just going to be a puppet and it's going to be great and he's going to be yelling and no. he can't stop himself. No. No, he was just no. babysitting Big Green. Yeah. And, you know, Black Widow can't, you know, do her, you know, weird Jedi mind tricks. And so he's got to pound the Hulk to, to death, which, you know, he's the Hulk. He Nothing beats the Hulk. Nothing, well, which which led to some entertaining, you know, scenes. I thought it was great when the fact that it went on so long and that suit kept getting damaged and he kept having to have more parts flown in and attached yeah, to lo- the suit. I love that that was bas- great. I love because that he basically that was has a floating, like, space station of just more parts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, give me a hand, you know, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. You know, it's, it's great. He's got, you know, a, a hydraulic fist basically trying to knock out the Hulk. Yeah, he drops an, an entire building on him, and, you know, the Hulk's still mostly okay. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I take issue with how strong the Hulk is, but that goes back to the comic books, so... Absolutely. That's, the, that's Yeah, that's the difficult thing about the Hulk as a character. He's... He's as strong as the story needs him to be. Which and that ends up being very sense. problematic. It's, exactly. No, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me how the Hulk is supposed to be stronger than Thor, which I'm sure mm-hmm. I've ranted to you about this before, but it just seems like, I mean, Thor has this magical hammer. He's an alien. Mm-hmm. He's impersonating this Asgard god. He should be able <laughs> to beat this guy on steroids, but yeah. somehow he's not. Well, and that's the other thing. You know, uh, Hulk can beat Thor, but he can't pick up the hammer. Yeah, but an elevator can. But an elevator, yeah. Okay, so so I will say one of my favorite parts is all the discussion about Thor's hammer. Yes. Them, them, them. You know that whole scene, Captain America, which I think we talked about it when all we'd seen was the trailer. I knew that I was going to love that scene, and seeing it fleshed out in context, I loved it even more. It was it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, just just all of it that you know all the guys were trying to do it. Black Widow's like, nah, I don't, I could care less. <laughs> Not a big deal. Captain America um, does. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and. And honestly, when, you know, kind of jumping all the way forward in the the movie to when the Vision shows up and he has this line where he's basically like, oh, I'm not sure there's anything I could do right now to uh, convince you that I mean what I mean and that I'm I'm not going to do you any harm. I don't think there's anything I could do to convince you in the short term. And then he just hands Thor the hammer. And it's like, oh. Well, that convinced everyone. He can pick up the hammer. Okay, I guess he's good. That's uh, that, that, that's good. moving on. Yeah, I I wasn't expecting to actually like the Vision in this movie. I thought he was going to be mm-hmm. kind of lame, but he ended up being one of my favorite parts of it. Me too. And I think the reason is because we all love Jarvis. And he's basically souped up Jarvis. Yeah, he's Jarvis who's now, he now has a mechanical aspect. Exactly. 
Exactly. And and Jarvis is great. Everybody loves Jarvis. So, you know, the fact that he gets some serious powers and some more stuff to do, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do with the Mind Stone that he has. Because mm-hmm. my... I haven't read many of the any of the Vision comics, uh, but my understanding is that he was way more powerful in this movie than he ever was in the comics, um, and that that's probably because he has that Infinity Stone on his forehead right now. Yeah, that was something I I don't know much about him as far as the comics are concerned, other than the fact that he's in the comics a big part of the Avengers team and has been around for a while. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he was always just a run-of-the-mill android. He was never a super-powered Infinity Gem souped-up android. Yeah, so I'm sure he's going to play a big part when, uh, whenever Infinity Wars comes out, if that's next year mm-hmm. or something. Cause uh, like three years, I think. Is it three like years that? already? Yeah. I think they're doing it 2018 and 2019. Okay. If, if memory serves. Yeah, because... I'm sure he's just going to get, like, ripped in half and the Infinity Stone put into a gauntlet. That, yeah. That's what has to happen. So, Yeah, so that's kind of a bummer. Um, maybe, maybe somehow you know, he'll survive and just be like go back to his normal power level without the Infinity Stone. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about, about robots and androids and stories is you can almost always rebuild them and everything's fine. Or if you're DC, <laughs> so. I mean, you can just kill people and bring them back to life with no problem, so... Oh, God, yeah. Don't even get me started. In, in, in comics, there's no such thing as permanent death for no. any of the major characters. Or or usually anyone that's anywhere nearby them. Yeah, but I think Marvel is better at it than DC. Like, yes. DC no, just, I think DC's awful. DC just blatantly brings people back to life on a regular basis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, no, it, and then then every and now they're rebooting their entire you know series again and ta da. Yeah. I, I haven't actually been watching the Arrow or Flash or anything, but my roommate watches it, so I end up getting some of it through osmosis, and it just cracks mm-hmm. me up like how many times Oliver Queen like gets stabbed and thrown off of a mountain, but <laughs> next mm-hmm. episode he's back. He's back. Yeah. No, I've uh, I've been watching both of those those shows since they began. Um, and while I agree this was a pretty weak season for Arrow, um, and the fact that you know he can get stabbed and thrown off a mountain and left for dead, and yet no, not dead, um, is a bit annoying. Um, the the season for Arrow hasn't been that great. I think overall the series is is pretty good. Um, I I think what they've done with the Flash has has been fantastic, um, but. <laughs> That's uh, that's kind of a rabbit hole. I don't know if you want to go down right now. No, and I don't actually know anything about it. So, <laughs> contrary to everything else that we talk about, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me, what did you think of Ultron as a villain? That is a difficult question. Um, his his whole like, grand scheme didn't actually seem that terrifying. Which, I, True. I get the whole concept of, like, you drop this giant piece of rock and the shockwave would destroy the whole Earth. But mm-hmm. it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't seem that scary. Like, he could probably come up with something far more menacing than that. Um, additionally, he, yeah. additionally, he seemed, like, really, like, really personal, almost. Like, he just had a grudge against a few people in this one poor town in Eastern Europe. <laughs> um, he didn't seem as as like generally terrifying as a lot of superhero villains are. Yeah, I I have to agree. I I thought his his plot was actually relatively creative. Um, hey, you know if if you think the the thought process appears to have been. All right, I'm going to, you know, fix the problems on the planet here. I'll protect everyone. Oh, actually, hang on. All of you are the problem. This is awful. You know what? Let's just start over. How's the best way to do that? Well, we can wipe everything off the face of the earth. Oh, hey, meteor. Great. Done. Okay. And moving forward, let's let's make that happen. Um, and he, was, cre- he was a very efficient, you know, product meeting. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty creative to, like, create your own meteor out of the thing you're destroying. Yeah, and and the fact that it wasn't the meteor wasn't necessarily his first plan that they mentioned that he was going for the nuclear weapons because you know hey he can control all of the computers everywhere apparently 
however, that you know the, he connects to the internet and now he can control everything. Okay, isn't that just how um, computers work? Yeah, because everything runs through Oslo, run by blonde Swedes, <laughs> oh, that Norwegians. One, that, scene, oh. that scene really bugged me. That hurt. That I, hurt. I know it's stupid and no one cares, but as, some, as someone who works with networking equipment on a regular basis, that's stupid. That hurt. Yeah. Like, because I love it's like, well, don't you think a one central point like that would be a bad idea? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it would be a bad idea. That's why we didn't do it. No one did that. That's a terrible no, idea. And it just goes against the whole ethos of everything that built the internet of like decentralizing and not giving control to anyone. <laughs> exactly. Cause you know, now apparently the Norwegians can rule the world. Um, I'm, I'm sure Caltech and whoever created ARPANET was fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he was going for the nuclear weapons, which clearly would have been the most efficient way to bring about, you know, catastrophic annihilation. Yes, you do. But when that didn't work, carve my own meteor, drop it on the earth. Not bad. Not bad. Um, there were a couple of things that I thought were unnecessary or annoying in the plot. And it, I think the reason they were there was to set up future movies, which I think is a bigger issue um, in general. Uh, like, for instance, why did he need vibranium to build his giant, you know, super meteor thing? Wouldn't other metals have been fine? They didn't really explain why vibranium was necessary. Well, my understanding um, was vibranium was to build the armor suits that he was using. Okay. You know, I, I, I guess. Uh, that That's that's fair. Um, but the whole, you know, plot of vibranium and going to Wakanda and all of that, that's all build up for... The Black Panther movie, which is actually what that superhero's name is, Black Panther. Is it um, really? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Oh, I didn't know anything about this. Can you explain? Yes. Yeah, so, so Black Panther um, is one of the few black superheroes in the Marvel superhero universe. Uh, he's the ruler of an African nation called Wakanda, which is, at least in the comics, is very prosperous and technologically advanced and awesome uh, and is home to all sorts of wondrous things like vibranium and other you know crazy technology and things. And I don't remember if it's just through the technology and the training that he gets as being king slash tribal ruler of this country that he becomes a superhero or if there's something else going on, spirit of a panther, bitten by a radioactive panther, <laughs> I, I don't know for sure. Uh, I, um, I kind of hate that the only black superhero in all of Marvel is one named with his color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> king, tribal and leader of an African nation. <laughs> and it's, the old, it's rough. Yeah, it's, it's not I'm, super great. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're going to – maybe the the actual character that they debut will be different. Um, maybe that's not who it's going to be. <laughs> Turns out it's Indian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be different because um, like that's the problem with a lot of these characters. There are some pretty awfully racist characters in the Marvel universe. Uh, the Mandarin was another great – example of that where in the comic books he's just a terrible terrible stereotypical asian villain it's just awful but when they used him in iron man 3 he was very different from that and it was fantastic they did a great job reimagining uh, that that bad guy yeah, so maybe they'll, they'll have to. they'd have to because it's just there's yeah, just too many facepalm com- moments when you read about this character's backstory. Back when those comic books were written, it was a different time. It was fine. But nowadays, they would get so much flack if they made... Oh, so that. much. <laughs> so many bad things. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I, I thought there was set up for the other the other movies and that. There, there were a couple other moments. I'm sure they'll, they'll come to me again. Um that that felt like set up for oh oh that's right thor and all of his you know basically wandering around was had absolutely nothing to do with this movie and everything to do with thor 3 that they're that they're working on so that that was a little annoying i kept thinking that um when you know uh, uh wanda does the the mind trick stuff on them i kept thinking that what thor was seeing was going to have something to do with what was going on and 
in this movie, but no, no, it, it has to do with other movies <laughs> that are that are coming up. Um, See, I think I must have missed a lot of this because I haven't seen Iron Man three or Thor two yet. Mm, I would I would recommend Iron Man three, um, Thor two if you're bored. Uh, <laughs> though to be fair, I'd rec- I'd only recommend any of the Thor movies if you were bored. Um, I liked Thor one. It was it was good. Yeah, it was it was it was acceptable. Um Iron Man 3 I actually really enjoyed um because it gives a lot more weight to Tony Stark as a superhero versus Iron Man as the superhero because for a majority of Iron Man 3 he's not in the suit for acceptable explained reasons and he has to make stuff happen as Tony Stark rather than as Iron Man, which is actually pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that, that might kind of play off the same part of me that really enjoyed um, uh, Dark Knight Rises because Batman wasn't yeah. actually Batman most of the movie. Yeah, and the, the other thing, you know, without spoiling uh, anything of the film, it's just, you know, at the end of Avengers, the first one, um, you know, Tony Stark had to, you know, fly through a wormhole and throw a nuclear weapon at, you know, this giant alien spaceship. And, uh, yeah, he's, he he has some trouble getting over that. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got a little PTSD and, and some anxiety issues, and that's explored in that movie. I, I wish it was explored a little more in Iron Man 3, um, but it is explored there. And, and I think some of that came into play in Age of Ultron as well, because yeah, what's the did. whole reason that he's working on Ultron is, you know, he's scared to death of anything alien coming down that he can't handle. Yeah, he's basically he, he, having he, flashbacks because he's, he's yeah. just terrified of that happening again. Yeah. Exactly, because he's a mere mortal. He's he's super, you know, smart and filthy rich, but he's just a guy. And yet he feels the weight of the entire world on his shoulders, literally. And he doesn't want to let that happen, so he wants to, to build Ultron. I, I wish they would have would have talked a little bit more about that in the movie, but I get, you know, the movie was, was kind of long already. Um, and so y- you end up rushing through a lot of things that... I think could have been explored more deeply. That would have been a more interesting movie for me. It's not more stuff blowing up. It's more character development, which is what I like, but I suppose not, not why they're making these movies. A more interesting movie for us would have been a movie that makes less money. Mm Mm-hmm. Which that's true. Is a sad fact to face, but it is the truth. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I will say I thought the writing was was really good. was was very enjoyable. The dialogue between all the characters, uh, Banner and Stark, going back and forth, I thought was great. Um, you know, <laughs> the second time around when they're when they're working on what ends up being the Vision, and he's like, "Come on, you got to trust me." You know, kind of don't. Uh, you know, you created this huge problem last time. Not gonna let you do this again, Tony. <laughs> um, you know, it just. Uh, that whole that whole uh, scene I thought was interesting, where they're basically arguing back and forth, Banner and Stark, and then Captain America bursts in with the twins, who are all of a sudden on, you know, following Captain America's orders, and you know they're all debating what to do, and Thor just busts in and just lights the thing up with lightning, like, okay, that's it, that's what happened. Moving on. That is what Thor does best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there was there was no more questions. Just yeah, just appear lightning. And we have a new superhero. Any questions? <laughs> uh, yeah, there were some great scenes with Thor in this movie, like the, um, uh, what's her name, scientist who didn't want to come to Tony's party until Thor came. <laughs> yes, that was pretty funny. You know, is Thor going to be there? Um, I got to say, War Machine, uh, he was fantastic. You know, um, Don Cheadle is, is great in just about everything. But I love how... You know, War Machine's always an afterthought in the comics anyway. And in this, you know, he really, you know, he just wants to get some some respect, some cred. You know, hey, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a cool superhero too. And, you know, all the other superheroes are like, thanks for coming, whatever. You know, normal people are really impressed by him. But but he can't get any respect from, you know, Thor or or Tony Stark or anything, which which I thought was really funny. Poor Don Cheadle. It's it's funny, like, how few movies Don Cheadle is in, but how many of them I like. That's true. Uh, Do you ever see that movie? Oh, it's ancient now, probably 10 years old or so, called Traitor. 
I, I remember hearing about it. I didn't see it, though. Yeah, it, it starred John, Don Cheadle. He was, like, one of... There's only a handful of actual characters in that movie. Um, it was just a fantastic movie about him, like, double-crossing a bunch of terrorists and saving the United hmm. States. Interesting. I highly recommend watching it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah I like I like just about every movie that, that I've seen him, in, seen him in. I think he's great in the Oceans movies. Um, you know, it's... That's Even fun. with the the weird accent, uh, <laughs> somehow I forgot that that was him in Oceans. <laughs> it's true. Well, he's doing a weird British accent, so it's understandable that, that you'd forget. Um, I, I wish we could go back and do Iron Man one with Don Cheadle instead of Terrence Howard. I think it would be an even better movie. Who, uh, <laughs> who did Terrence Howard play in that movie? Uh, the same character as, as Don Cheadle. They they just swapped out the actor for Iron Man two. I'm a terrible person for not knowing that. That's okay. We're not noticing. <laughs> it's just been too long since I've seen it, probably. Yeah, we'll 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 let you off the hook. We'll we'll say that's the problem. <laughs> um, and no, so so what what else I think is kind of interesting about the Avengers movie, um, in general. Uh, I I would say I, I would say I really enjoyed it. Uh, I like I've enjoyed the other uh, Marvel movies. Um, I think what could be an interesting problem that I think might be starting with this movie. And, and, and I say that because there were, there were moments and and things and choices made in, in dialogue or plot or storyline for the sole purpose of setting up future movies. I think Marvel might end up accidentally creating the same problem with these movies that they've got in their comic books. And what I mean by that is there's too many things interconnecting. There's too many stuff that over there's too much stuff that overlaps. There's there's too many connections that you need to make and things that you need to have known and backstory that needs to go here and there and the other thing and and that's a big problem with comics. It's what makes them very dense and difficult for any new readers like you or I to get into them because everything's, oh, there's, you know, 55 years of continuity that I don't know anything about and, and stuff like that. And I'm wondering if they're starting to have that problem with these movies as well. I don't know. Comi- comics are certainly have this huge barrier to entry because – I think partly they move so slow, but with these movies, they they do have a ton of interconnection and stuff that makes it more interesting for the people who do know that stuff. But I think they're still pretty accessible to to the layman who doesn't understand all the connections because they're just mm-hmm. they're just gonna see the witty dialogue and big explosions and they're gonna have fun put down their fifteen dollars. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I mean, it could be something where I'm you know. Uh, I'm expecting more of the average movie than the average viewer is. Uh, and that's that for them, plot holes or issues or things that they don't quite understand making sense are actually aren't that big a deal and they just don't really care. Was it fun? Did I see cool stuff blow up? Was there a funny one-liner? Okay, great. You know, then then we'll call it a, a success. Um, that's, that's very, very possible. And I could be reading far too much into this, but I feel like it's a problem when the individual movie, I feel like it doesn't always feel like it's, it's its own thing and that I'm happy with it as a self-contained story. Um, you know, I I think it's, we'll probably, we'll probably see if that really holds up or not when, um, when Infinity Wars comes out. Because I, I imagine that's going to be the most... Because everything else has been leading up to Infinity Wars Parts 1 and 2. So if that right. movie can stand alone on its own, then I think any of the others will be fine. If if anything is going to struggle, it, it will be that. It's true. And that's why I kind of wonder if... It, it, not necessarily to say that Age of Ultron was that movie where, oh man, if you watch this thing and you don't, you haven't seen every other movie and every episode of Agents of C- Shield, you'll have no idea what's going on. I don't think that's true, but I wonder if that's the direction they're going and if they're aware of that or not, because it really feels like the exact problem that you have in comic books is, well, now who's this character and and why are they doing this? Oh, well, you needed the back issue series mini convergence event from 
um, like six issue arc that was in like 2008. And that explained why blah, blah, blah is blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, I don't, um, I'm bored now. This is confusing. Um, I, I, I worry if that sort of problem is creeping up. It could be. And I mean, anytime you get just more content, like more, um, uh, yeah, just more content in general, you're going to have more of that issue. But I think mm-hmm. even if they're heading that direction, they're a little ways off from reaching it. They are, definitely. And they, I think a lot of it will have to do with how they handle the new movies that are coming out, how they handle the Avengers movies going forward, because that's something else to, to talk about. By the end of this Avengers movie, we're left with maybe two out of the original however many people were in the first Avengers movie, only two or three of them seem to still be a part of the Avengers. Um, so that's kind of strange. You know, Tony Stark seems to be, seems to be out and, you know, to a certain extent he's, he's done. Um, but you've got new people in their place. You've got Falcon, which I think was a great character from, uh, Captain America, the winter soldier. Um, you've got a vision now. He's kind of Iron Man like, um, you seem to have kind of the assemblage of a new team come the end of the movie. Well, I, I assume they're leading up towards Civil War, right? Yeah, and that's actually the next, uh, that's going to be the the next Captain America movie, which is actually coming a lot sooner than I expected it would be. Um, when is from, from the, It's, I believe it's the next movie coming out in 20, it's the first movie coming out in 2016, if I believe so. So it's coming out next year. Okay. Um, is there anything left which, in the pipeline this year? There's Ant-Man. Ant-Man is the, the last movie coming out this year. Okay. Um, and before it was going to be the first movie of Phase 3, that was how they were going to spin it. But instead, it's going to be the last movie of this phase, Phase 2. Um, so then Phase 3 will open up with Captain America Civil Wars, which is kind of interesting. I'm, I'm certainly curious to see what they do with that. I, I expected they would save that for later, you know, after Infinity War. I thought that was something in the more distant future, but apparently it's not. So, um, you know, if the teams get pulled apart and the, you know, people start taking sides come Infinity Wars, that may end up making for a more interesting interesting final resolution where it isn't, oh, hey, guys, it's me, your buddy again, and let's get the band back together and everybody will take down the guy with the purple beard. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume you kind of run into an enemy of my enemy as my friend situation there. But they they mm-hmm. definitely did start to set that up with Captain America and his Avengers in the upstate compound and Tony Stark and still in his tower in Manhattan. Definitely. Um, and throughout this entire movie, you saw real discord being sown between Captain America and Iron Man. Right. You, and- you saw the beginnings of the two of them butting heads even more than normal, which I thought was uh, when they were at uh, Hawkeye's farm uh, chopping wood. I thought that was great because Captain America is really, you know, trying to just be quiet and just, you know, not retaliate. And Tony Stark's just kind of egging him on. And finally, like, Captain America just rips a log in half. Like, forget, you know, chopping wood. He just rips it in two. And it's like, oh, right, that guy's super powered. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go to the barn now. And then and when the camera pulls out and you see Tony Stark has, like, a modest human-sized pile of logs. And Captain America has, like, three exactly. cords of wood next to him. Just done. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, and I think Tony says something like, don't, don't take any from my pile yeah. or something like that. You know, it's like, oh, man, you know. I, I thought those sorts of things were, were great. And, you know, I think, like you, those are the parts of the movies that I'm most interested in. So it would be very interesting to see if in the build-up to the Infinity Wars, you know, combo fiasco thing, um, if this whole time you've got everybody, you know, butting heads and people taking sides and it's the Infinity Wars event that actually draws everybody back together. Yeah, we'll see. I, I assume that they come out of that Captain America movie at least, like, maybe not fully on the same side, but at least at some sort of uneasy alliance. Because they have to. Uh, right? They being Captain America and Tony Stark? Yeah. I assume? Okay, yeah. Yeah, because they have to if they're going know. to be able to take on, um, what's his name, the purple guy? Yeah, Thanos. Thanos, yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he's, I mean, he has the Infinity Gauntlets by the time of that movie. 
there's yeah. n- nothing in the universe that can take him on except for everyone teaming up together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll see how it plays. Yeah, it, it should be interesting for sure. Um, the other thing that, that I kind of wanted to throw out and get your, get your opinions on is, um, obviously movies like this are heavily, heavily marketed to the younger demographic. And I'm not just saying that because we sound and act like old men. I mean, like, like legitimately like kids are the ones who, you know, you see a ton of commercials and, you know, the Avengers are on every cereal box and every candy container and whatever. Um, and yet watching this movie and all of the movies like it, um, I don't think I would want any children of mine to watch them. Not, not if they're young, that's for sure. Um, I, I don't think they're, I, I think they're relatively grown up movies and yet there's so much marketing to kids. And I think that's really strange. Yeah. It is kind of a bizarre juxtaposition. It. Because I mean, they they are all rated PG thirteen. They're yeah, very much the, the target demographic feels like mid to older teenagers, people in the twenty to thirty five demographic, probably. Um, mm-hmm. And and that, that's definitely the demographic of people who would have be familiar with these characters as well. I don't think that there's too many people under the age of uh, thirteen who have actually read these comic books or are familiar with the characters outside of the cinematic universe. True. True. It's why I think it's so strange that you see, you know, all these toys are all for kids and all this stuff is for, for, you know, the, you know, like younger, you know, I mean, sure there's, there's obviously stuff that's been spun off for little kids, but you know, I mean more like, you know, like kids who are, you know, 10 to 13, I, I feel like seems to almost be the target demographic, looking at the marketing, looking at the merchandising. And yet I don't, I, I wouldn't want a 10 to 13 year old to see this movie. If, if I was 10 to 13 and saw these movies, like that would be extremely intense, um, in, in multiple, you know, different movies, even the, um, I would say especially like the, the agents of shield, uh, series, uh, season finale. Um, I'm, I, I assume you've, you've seen that. Yeah. I'm going to show, show my cards here. I haven't seen that yet. So, okay. Don't spoil it. Then, then I won't spoil it. I'll just say there's not the sort of violence that a 10 to 13 year old would be able to brush off pretty well in, in some scenes in that, that series. And I think that's true of other episodes in that series, that, that season finale, wasn't out of character for the series or anything. Um, I, I think there's, there've been a lot of moments of up close and personal, um, you know, violence and death on that show that I don't know. It just, it doesn't sit right with me that, you know, that younger kids would be watching those sorts of things. And I just wonder if it's, if it's a miss in the marketing or if it's, yeah, no, like young kids watch this stuff all the time. And, Maybe I'm just that old and crotchety. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's odd. Well, I mean, putting myself in the shoes of a 10 to 13-year-old, as long ago as that was, I, <laughs> I know that I would want to see the movies. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it really just depends on the kid, like whether or not they're capable of handling it. There are some who are definitely those in movies that are just too mature content for them, but I think there are also probably some 12-year-olds who can handle it okay. That's true, and that that is the difficult thing about uh, throwing an age range on it in general. Yeah. Obviously, every kid, kid is different. The kids are just going to be different, and from Marvel's perspective, I don't know if they're thinking too much about, is this morally right to advertise to kids? I think they're just thinking that this is a demographic that we can earn a lot of money off of. Right. I think that's a big, big part of it because I would almost argue that there's a lot of storylines and a lot of things in superhero, especially in comic books and now in these sorts of live action, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a lot of stuff that that's some pretty mature plot lines and and, you know, characters, storylines and and things that that are said or heavily or strongly implied uh that i don't know i think it's uh i think it's a little a little much for the average child but yeah i mean even more even more than the like violence in the in the movies 
Tony Stark's mm-hmm. womanizing and alcohol abuse probably aren't the best influence either. Um, yeah. So there, there's plenty of yeah. things beyond just the action scenes that may might not be good for kids under 15 or so, but that's not yeah, going to stop I, them. I think it's... No, it's definitely not. I, I think it's just kind of funny because the, the closest thing that I could think of um, when I was, you know, younger uh, were the, the – the first thing that came to my mind were the Jurassic Park movies because – Definitely terrible idea to show to kids, especially number two. Horrible idea. Horrible idea to show to kids. So I, I – last night I watched the, the first Jurassic Park movie again. Uh, fantastic movie. Uh, it still, you know, holds up really well. Uh, really, really enjoy it. Great movie. Horrible idea to show it to a small child. Um, but I remember, like, wanting the Jurassic Park sneakers and the Jurassic Park T-shirts and lunchbox and whatever. And it's like – I, there's no way my parents would have let me see, and they didn't let me see that movie when I was that young. Because, um, yeah, this terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I was actually in the same boat. I had, I think I had Jurassic Park Lost World sneakers when I was a little kid. Um, mm-hmm. But I had never seen any of the movies up until maybe two months ago. Um, when, <laughs> when my roommate like found out that I had never seen them and out of horror showed me number two, which... I'm a completely grown person now, but the violence and like the crunching in number two still oh, kind of crunching. <laughs> it still oh, kind of yeah. threw me off as just being a little bit too much. Um, and so, then after, so that, have, after that, I watched number. After that, I watched number one, and it was a very good movie. I loved um, uh, what's his name, the actor who. Oh, why can I never Sam remember? His, no, the skinny techie guy. Samuel L. Jackson. No, he's white. He's wearing leather in this movie, I think. Oh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. I always forget Jeff Goldblum's name. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he was fantastic. The whole movie was pretty good. Much better than number two was. Yeah, yeah. I I think out of the three, I would almost say that number two is the weakest of the three, while still being a pretty good movie. I still haven't seen Um, number three, but it was just so much more violent than number one was. Yeah, and number three, number three is different. Um, the cast is different. You don't have Jeff Goldblum uh, in number three, but you have Sam Neill, uh, who's the who's basically Indiana Jones in the first movie, um, which I, I only kind of realized while watching it. Now that the the paleontologist, uh, you know, white guy with the hat, he's basically supposed to be Indiana Jones. Um, well, isn't Jeff who's Goldblum then, you know, kind of supposed to be Indiana Jones too? Yeah, I think they're all supposed to be Indiana Jones, really, is, is what's going on here. I don't know why Harrison Ford isn't in this movie anywhere. He did. He played um, the T-Rex. <laughs> exactly. No, but that's the sort of thing, like, and, and that's kind of what I mean. It's less, you know, necessarily about, like, the outright violence of any moment. You know, in, in the first one, you've got a guy who's, you know, sitting on a toilet and then gets eaten by a by a T-Rex, you know, that, that's, that's pretty bad, but it's the entire buildup to even just the reveal of the T-Rex and the, you know, the, the roar, the, the steps, the vibrations that there's a storm going on and what's going to happen. And it's the kids alone in the Jeep. And it's just, it's a wonderful piece of suspense cinematography. It's, it's fantastic, but especially to a, to a, a, a younger child who would most likely identify with the kids put in life-threatening danger. Uh, yeah, extremely terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and then I think what got me in number two was that scene when they're like underneath the waterfall and the guy yes. steps out because of the snake and then yes. you just hear a crunching noise and the waterfall turns Crunch. red. Oh, yeah, it's that just, wa- yeah, yeah. It's just too much. It's too gratuitous. Yeah, the waterfall scene is is a rough one for for sure. No, I I know I haven't seen that movie in years, and I know exactly the scene that you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah it's 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 funny, and well, what I think is kind of interesting because especially in the first one, like you you go into the movie, the average person not an expert in dinosaurs, and I'm assuming the T Rex is going to be the worst, most terrifying, you know, scariest thing on that island, and yet. That's not entirely true. I think the Velociraptors are more terrifying as, as far as like things that 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 scare me more in has, in that movie. Obviously, decade, yes. Has a decade of reading XKCD not taught you this already? 
That's fair. Um, I, I, I hadn't been reading XKCD at the time when I first saw this movie. Uh, <laughs> Every fifth comic is about Velociraptors. It's true because they're terrifying. They are. They're they're enormous, and like the in the first one, the the kitchen scene is just just so scary. You've got these kids, and yet. You know, there's a slippery floor, and there's shiny surfaces, and there's nothing really to defend themselves from the, you know, seven-foot-tall monsters with, you know, clicking claws on the steel, and just, oh, just, you know, it's the worst game of cat and mouse as they're walking around the, the kitchen trying not to get spotted by the, the raptors. It's just, oh, yeah, I, I, I think they're much, much scarier than the overwhelming obviousness of the T-Rex. The uh, after after we stop recording, do me a favor and go watch the How It Should Have Ended of Jurassic Park. Okay. I, I will. I'll look that up. Have you ever seen that before on YouTube? Mm-mm. It's It's just this, these people who will make am, animated versions of how they think various movies should have ended. The one for Jurassic oh. Park is pretty great. Well, there there goes my, my night. <laughs> it's only five minutes long. No, no, I'm sure I'll get sucked into all of the other ones because oh, yeah, that sounds very interesting it, as a concept. It's a total rat hole. It's it's yeah. just like the honest trailers guys. Oh yeah, oh they're fantastic. The honest trailer for for the first Avengers movie was it made me laugh so know. much. I don't know if I've seen that one yet or not. That one's very entertaining. I I highly recommend it. 